Good morning. We welcome you to this, this Scout Sunday, a very special day in the lives of our church. Uh, we, we welcome scouts and leaders, uh, families and parents of those of, of scouts. We welcome you here today to Boiling Springs Baptist. To all other guests, we welcome you here today, and we're, we're glad that you've chosen to worship with us at Boiling Springs Baptist Church. I would invite everybody to take a look at your bulletin that you received on your way in this morning. There is a tear out attached to that bulletin. Uh, if you are a visitor, we would encourage you to fill out the information on the front side of that tear out and to place it in the offering plate as it goes by later in our service. And on the back side of that tear out is a place for prayer concerns. If you have something that you would like a member of our staff or other members of our church family to be in prayer for you, we would invite you to fill that out as well and to place it in the offering plate later in our service. Just a few brief announcements this morning. This morning, immediately following our morning worship, we're having a Feed the Flock lunch. Our youth ministry is sponsoring this lunch. So scouts and families and everyone who's here today, uh, you're invited to come and stay for lunch. Uh, the, the cost is donation for our youth ministry. Uh, we're having a dessert auction as well in our gym and our LEC uh, through the meal. And so we encourage you to stay for that if you are able today. Uh, there are, are many other dates and announcements and things to be aware of in your bulletin. Uh, the arrangement that is here on our, Lord, our Lord's Supper table this morning is in honor of our Boy Scouts. And so we are once again very glad that you are here with us today. Uh, at this time, I'm going to ask Daryl to come forward uh, on, on behalf of our Scouts. And once again, we're glad that you're here for worship with us. Again, I'd like to welcome everybody to Scout Sunday. Uh, glad everybody's here today, especially all the Cub Scouts and, and their families. We're just so grateful for uh, our Cub Scout leaders and, and the role that they play in revitalizing Boy Scouts at, uh, of 117 at Bull Springs Baptist Church. Uh, I told the Cub Scouts that when I took over Scoutmaster in 2009, I rechartered 44 boys. This year I rechartered 10. So this group of Cub Scouts is a blessing to me to see them come in to revitalize the numbers in our Scout troops. Boy Scouts are going through a change uh, this year. Um, last year they started letting girls in the Cub Scouts and this year they're going to let girls in the Boy Scouts. Not the same troops, but it is becoming a family organization for real. It was always a family organization with with parents and boys involved, but now brothers and sisters alike can be involved in the Boy Scouts. And so we're excited about the prospects of, of what's happening, uh, and hopefully it's gonna continue for another 100 plus years. Uh, we've been 75 years a chartered organization for the Boy Scouts of America here at Bowling Springs Baptist Church, and, and we're very uh, honored that the church uh, continues to support Boy Scouting, uh, not only it with a line item on the budget, but just continuing to help us in everything that we do, uh, furnishing us a place to meet uh, every week, and, and just 
backing our organization up with all kinds of supports. And so we're very thankful for the support that we receive from Bullen Springs Baptist Church. And uh, this is a day that we, we like to come and, and show what how many youth that, that, that our ministry of Boy Scouts is touching through our church. Thank y'all. Just as Jesus went along, went long ago to the synagogue, we gather here on this Lord's Day to give praise to our God. Just as Jesus opened the ears of those gathered to the Word of God, we come to hear what God has to say to us. Just as Jesus challenged and invited those gathered to see and hear and experience the world from a new perspective, we wait for the same challenge, the same invitation, as we worship our holy God. If you would please join me in singing our opening hymn, number 297, Here I Am to Worship, 297. If you are able, please stand and join in singing.
I invite the children to come forward for lesson on the steps. Got a game, a game. All right, I have a question for you. What is this? Umbrella. Umbrella. And what does an umbrella do? It makes you wet. It makes you in the shade. It protects you. What else does it do? It rains. Keeps you from getting what? Wet. Wet. Hey, Ledger, how are you? Let's see how it does. Well, I've got a great big umbrella. But you know what? I'm a little superstitious. And I know you don't understand that, but they say that if you open this up, it might bring you bad luck. You want me to do it anyway? Yeah. Bad luck or not? Yeah. Okay, all right, here we go. Whoa, look at that umbrella. It is a big umbrella. All right, I want you to listen. I want you to listen just one minute. I want to tell you about this umbrella. Did you know that we have an umbrella on top of us right now? We do? Yeah. Not this one. It's up there. It's up there. Well, I made Miss Ellen an umbrella. And I want to tell you about my umbrella. And it's just above us right now. And it stays with us all day. And it's God's umbrella. <clears throat> Does God do this? Excuse me. Yeah. Does God do the same thing yeah. with his umbrella? He does, doesn't he? He protects you, doesn't he, Levi? He keeps you safe. He does. Does he put everybody under the umbrella? No. No? Wyatt, are you under the umbrella? No, I think you are. I think you're under the umbrella. See, God's love is so big. It's bigger than Miss Ellen's bright umbrella. And when it... Okay, shh, just one second. When we open up God's umbrella in our life, He covers us with love. He protects us everywhere we go. And it doesn't matter whether we are in a group, with our family, or by ourselves. His umbrella of arms just reach out and grab us and they circle you around so that you're always safe. That's, that's the most special kind of love. What? Even, especially sometimes, Callum, when we get hurt, God's big umbrella keeps us safe. Because the greatest thing that God can give us is his love. And that's what we get when we put that umbrella around us. Even when we're gonna be a little bit ornery, aren't we, Silas? No! All right, Wyatt has an umbrella for you to take home with you after we have our prayer, okay? Okay, can we? All right, what, let's bow our heads and have our prayer. And what do we remember? Be quiet. That's it. That's right. You don't have to close your eyes, but we have to be quiet, don't we? Or I don't love you. 
That's right. All right. Dear Lord, dear Lord, we thank you for the umbrella that comes on us every day, that circles around us to protect us. Your big arms are always giving us hugs and maybe even especially when we don't feel good and we're hurt. Thank you, Lord, for the umbrella that's over our children, their families, our church, our community. We are so blessed. Amen. Those of you who know me know I'm not Elizabeth Pack. I am her mother, and I'm the substitute. She's under the weather, has gone to the doctor, and is at home. The emphasis today is on the Heck Jones offering. This is an offering that's done through WMU here in North Carolina. The two women who started this were uh, friends. Ms. Heck recruited Mrs. Jones to help her in raising money for the work of WMU in North Carolina. We see many things that are done through this offering, and you'll be hearing about those in the next few Sundays. And uh, the end gathering is February the 24th, but we'll take your money today. <laughs> Thank you, and I want to close with a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, there are so many things that call on us to participate. Each one is important. That leads me to say that the Heck Jones offering is important. And as the congregation hears about the work, that they will be generous. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hymn is number 482, Here I Am, Lord, 482. If you are able, please stand and join in singing.
In preschool Sunday school, the whole month of February, we are learning that what the Bible says is true. Everything in the Bible is true, and that we should live by what the Bible says. They are also have learned in recent months that the Bible says bring an offering to church. Very simple, but truths that we are learning in preschool Sunday school and that we all should remember as, ad as adults also. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you for this beautiful day, a day that we can come and worship. Thank you for our Boy Scouts and the leaders that they have. Thank you for our beautiful church, the people of our church. Help us to remember not only to give our tithes and offerings, but our time and our talents. Bless these offerings to do your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, choir, candy, and musicians. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'll be reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 21 through 30. These words will be on your screen. There are, pews in, there are Bibles in your pews, but I would hope and trust that you would bring your Bible with you, and you may want to make notes over these next several weeks. We will be in the Gospel of Luke. Let me again extend an invitation or a, a word of welcome to our scouts. Uh, thank you for being here with us this morning. We look forward to this each year. Daryl, thank you for your words. And... Um, uh, I didn't know if you'd still be talking right about now, Daryl, but uh, you, did, you did good. But, uh, but we are glad uh, that you are here today, and I know many family members are here today, uh, grandparents are here, and so we extend just a warm welcome to you. And uh, if you do not have a church home, we hope you would come back and, and worship with us once again here at Boiling Springs Baptist. But last Sunday we were in Luke, and we'll be there once again today and over the next several weeks. And uh, we heard a very timely message, and I think we will hear one again this morning. But in Luke 4, beginning at verse 21, then he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, this is now the words of Jesus, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do here also in your hometown the things that you have heard, we have heard that you did at Capernaum. And he said, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was severe famine all over the land. Yet Elijah was sent home to none of, sent home, sent to none of them except to the widow of Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Nahum the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up and drove him out of town and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Before I pray this morning, I want us to remember uh, the family of Chris Green and her passing this last week. Let us be mindful of all that are affected by that and all family and friends and our community. And also we received word last night that Marie Webb, this is Roger and Marie Webb, but Marie Webb went to the hospital here in Shelby with some heart concerns and uh, she is there now but will be transferred to Charlotte tomorrow for a heart cath. And so that's Marie Webb. I recognize in a, in a group this size that we have many concerns that are on our hearts and our minds today, and so we certainly want to be mindful of those. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and I invite you to, at the beginning of the prayer, just to, to lift a word of praise or a, a, a prayer concern that you have up to God as I begin our time of prayer. Let's pray together. God, we thank you and praise you for your love and presence with us this morning. We join in spirit with the choir today and echo their words. How can we keep from singing your praise? How amazing is your love? A love that walks with us amid the storm in the darkest night that the song referenced. A love that forgives us when we pursue paths that are not pleasing to you. A love that guides us in decisions. And a love that leads us to serve in different ways. Your love at times leads us to speak for the oppressed. It is a love that fills us with courage and with boldness. It is a love in which we seek to establish our own identity. 
Help us now, Lord, to lift our minds and our hearts to you and allow the scripture and your spirit to work in us and through us. Stir us, God, and move us to a deeper walk with you. If there are those here today that need to begin a relationship with you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. For others that may need a fresh start or a renewed spirit, may they find this in you today. Touch all those among us and those absent from us who are struggling physically. Those who grieve, may they be comforted by your spirit. Those who struggle with not enough, whether it's food, income, medical care, whatever their need may be, may you be the God of provision for them this day. God, I thank you for these young scouts that are present with us this morning. I ask for your blessings on each one, their families and their leaders. Help these children and youth as they grow to look to you, dear God, and to walk in your ways. Bless those who serve you on the mission field, whether here at home or around the world. Our scripture today is yet another reminder, God, that you came for all people. God, take all the different voices seeking our attention this morning and help us to hear only yours as we continue in worship. I ask this prayer in the name of Jesus, our Savior and friend, amen. Last Sunday, we began a new sermon series. Yes, we did that on the, at the end of a month, but uh, that's where we were in this. But we began a new sermon series called Identity Crisis. And I talked about the fact that as individuals, as a church, as institutions and businesses within our world today, and even within our very own country, we are struggling with the sense of what is our identity? Who am I and who are we? In the midst of all the change and the transitions that are going on in our culture, we begin to ask ourselves these questions. Last week, we began, uh, we used the scripture that was just before this in Luke 4 about Jesus. He had been now, he had been baptized. He had been uh, out in the desert for 40 days of tempting, of temptations and testing. And he works his way back through Capernaum in Galilee and he arrives back in his hometown of Nazareth. The homeboy, well, I didn't mean it to come out that way. His hometown, he's back, the homeboy. Uh, Jesus is back in his hometown, all right? And uh, he's back among Uh, I referenced last week his eighth grade algebra teacher. He's back among people who know him well, people that raised him, people that changed his diapers. Yes, people that, you know, guided him when he needed some instruction. And so he's back among familiar people and familiar faces. And he stands up. And last week, this was not the title of my sermon, but it very well could have been Jesus's trial sermon. Jesus stands up in his hometown. All eyes are fixed on him. They've heard some things now about this Jesus boy that grew up among us. And Jesus reads from the scroll of Isaiah, Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, and he, he reads these words. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to set, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the scripture tells us that he rolled up the scroll and then he sat back down among the people. And we pick back up today where we left off last week, and that was with our first verse when Jesus said, he sat back down and he said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This moment, this place, at this time in history, Jesus is establishing more of his identity. Identity which very few really understood who, Jesus, who this Jesus was that we thought we knew. 
We see in verse 22 where all the people spoke well of him. They were amazed at his gracious words. The trial sermon in his home church went well. You know how that is, right? Three and a half years ago, I was there, roughly four years ago. You go to a church in view of a call and the new pastor comes in and you're checking him out. He's preaching a trial sermon. Well, at this point, everything's going great. They loved what Jesus had to say. They've heard who Jesus is and what he's done on his way back into his hometown. And they are, needless to say, excited about having Jesus there. They paid him the highest compliment. They're praising him. And some of their words in the text we, are, leave us with a little bit of wonder. It's kind of like, who is this guy? We know him. He was among us. But yet, uh, there's, people are saying incredible things about him. Are they, are they true? And it's almost inconceivable if you're outside of Nazareth because Nazareth was just this little town in Galilee. It was a, it was a poor town, um, the region of Galilee, from humble circumstances. And for a young man like this to speak with such authority and to speak the way that he was speaking in the synagogue, the people were simply amazed. If you remember in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 46, it was Nathaniel who asked Philip, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was not Charlotte, it wasn't Greensboro and Raleigh, it, wasn't, it was a rural town, not many people had heard of, and it was considered a lowly place. Later in chapter seven of John, others were saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? The town of Nazareth was located in the region of Galilee. One can only imagine the pride that they felt. Jesus, yeah, Joseph's son is special, and he's one of our own, he's one of us. This is something I've heard often at Bowling Springs. People are talking about someone and they'll say, well, he's from Bowling Springs. And they say it, many of you have said it, I've said it, with this sense of pride. Like they've, done on, they've gone on to do great things, whether it was in athletics or academics or in their profession, maybe in the military. And they say, well, they're from Bowling Springs, you know. And we say that with a great sense of pride. The people in the synagogue are filled with great delight and joy and happiness. They are proud that one of their own speaks like this and does the things that he does. It would be like one of our own who leaves Boiling Springs, and like I said, and just does great things. And uh, it's someone that we just simply can't help talking about. The key question in our text today that I ask you to think about, what makes the crowd in the synagogue move from this incredible sense of pride in Jesus to being so angry at him, so angry that they're actively seeking to throw him off a cliff at the end of our text today? In a few short moments, in a few brief verses, they move from Jesus being on the top of the world, he's come for us, he's come to save us and help us, to lead him to the brow of a hill and wanting to throw him off and kill him. In a few short verses, things change dramatically. The word for anger here in the Greek is thumos. It denotes passion, it indicates rage, a venting of anger. What's going on here would be like one who comes in the sanctuary with praise on their lips and a song in their heart, and then they realize that somebody's in their seat. No, I'm just kidding, no. Hopefully we're not, hopefully we're not that bad. Um, but last week, last week we looked at Jesus establishing his identity, and today we have a case of mistaken identity. Today we will see that Jesus is not exactly who they wanted him to be and who they thought that he was. There was a, we have today a case of mistaken identity. Has this ever happened to you? Maybe you've been mistaken for someone else or maybe you mistook someone to be someone that they were not. Now I'm not gonna ask for hands on this one, 
But um, what is the first thing that happens when the law enforcement pulls you over on the side of the road and they come up to the side of your car and you're embarrassed because you, first of all, you're, you know, who's going to see me? First of all, there's a blue light flashing brightly behind me now and everybody knows my car in Bowling Springs or Shelby. And what is the first thing the law enforcement asks you when they come up to your window? Driver's license. I heard it from the choir. Thank you. Uh, driver's license. There is no mistake about your identity. Hopefully you have it with you and you're able to show it to them, but there is no mistaking about your identity. Your picture is on it. And not only is your picture on it, your birth date's on it, your hair color's on it, your eye color's on it. There is no, your address, all these things that clearly identify who you are, are right there on that license tag. In my hometown of Hendersonville, or Flat Rock, I remember growing up knowing that there was another Keith McKinney in Hendersonville. And not only was there another Keith McKinney, but there was another Kim McKinney, who my sister was Kim. This Keith had a sister also named Kim. I don't, I don't know. They were a little bit older than my sister and I. But nevertheless, on rare occasion, there would be confusion about that because we would get a phone call in our home. Yes, this was before cell phones. We had a house phone. Some of you don't know what those are. But, um, but we had a phone in the house and it rang and we answered it and they asked for Keith McKinney and they started talking to us and we quickly realized, I, you're talking to, you want a Keith McKinney, but I, I don't know if I'm the Keith McKinney that you want. Uh, I was a teenager at the time and they were asking me about my job and, and different things in my career. So um, let, me, let me share another example. Let me share another example with you. Many in the room know that we're having a wedding of one of our own here coming up uh, in a few months. Our own Jacob Dobbins right here, uh, and Zach there sitting there. Uh, our, Jacob's getting married to Emily Carpenter here in just a few, a few weeks or a few months. And uh, recently in marriage counseling, when we were talking about marriage and it's a big deal and all these different things that go along with marriage, and uh, he was, Emily was sharing me a little bit about herself and letting me know that um, her sister, Look, who was a little bit older, looked a lot like her. And then Jacob chimed in and said, so much so that we were out at a restaurant having dinner. It was an outside venue for the restaurant. And Jacob, I think, had went off to the restroom and came back and saw what he thought was the back of Emily's head. And he sat down very close beside her, only to look up from across the table and see Emily's eyes looking at him as if to say, would you like to come sit over here with me? A case of mistaken identity, right? A, a recent case of mistaken identity that happened to me and my family is Aiden was at a prayer meeting one Wednesday at 11 a.m. And in the prayer meeting, he read that it was Irene's birthday, okay? It was Irene's birthday. And so after prayer meeting, he asked his mom if he could get something to take to Irene. It was her birthday. And so Renee says, yeah, okay. And she wanted to verify because she couldn't see the paper. So she called back to the church office and the church office said, yes, it is Irene's birthday. So Renee uh, put together some flowers and got a card and they went off to see Irene Murray and give her these flowers and give her the card and wish her a happy birthday. To which Irene Murray informed them that it was not her birthday. And that, but that she would keep the flowers because Reed, uh, Reed and Irene, they were having an anniversary this next week. So she kept the flowers, but gave the birthday card back. And so uh, reminded Renee and Aiden, maybe you're thinking about Irene Green. I bet it's her birthday. And sure enough, it was her birthday. And I'm glad that all involved in that story shared a good laugh um, about that story. But again, another case of mistaken identity. 
Well, looking at our text today, it begins with everyone finding Jesus's words attractive and winsome and just Jesus is on top of the world. And after all, they're thinking, if the things that people are saying are true about Jesus, then this is great for the little town of Nazareth. Because that means these prophetic words that he's speaking, the ways that he will heal and, and guide us, is this, this, is good. this is good for us. If he is truly the Messiah from our town, then he will do the deeds expected of the Messiah, right? Well, things take a very quick turn. But what's interesting, it's not the crowd that turns things around. In this case today, in this text, Jesus is being the protagonist. Jesus is the one who becomes antagonistic. Why is Jesus doing this? He just preached the best sermon ever. The trial sermon, like I said, went well. In the following verses, the best sermon ever quickly turns into the worst sermon ever, at least for the people of Nazareth. So much so that the crowd wanted to kill him. What began to change for the people was about what Jesus began to say in verse 23. He says, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do here also in your hometown the things which we have heard that you did at Capernaum. Now this saying, doctor, cure yourself, was something that a lot of Jews and even Greeks would recognize to be in writings. It was a saying, almost like a little bit of a proverb. It's this idea that a man ought to look at home and take care of himself before he goes to take care of others. Jesus knew his audience was thinking that if, um, that if he was the person he said he was and could do the miracles and the cures which were, uh, cure, the, the healings which were ascribed to him, he ought to do something of this kind among us, among his people. So he's going to start here. And they were excited about that. He's going to heal our blind and, and cure our lame and help our leprous hands and feet to be cured and to be healed. The doctor cure yourself, again, is a similar to the modern proverb of charity begins at home. Anybody ever told you that before? The challenge was clear. The people of Jesus' hometown demanded signs and wonders before they would accept him as the Messiah. But he goes on in, these, in that short little part there in the midst of your um, text for today. He goes on to talk about how during Elijah's day, there was a famine and there was a poor widow in Sidon during famine and, not, he, and he went to help them, but not, he did not help the people in Israel. He went outside the people of Israel to help this poor widow who was hungry. Things are starting to take a turn now. The people aren't liking what they're hearing. And then he says, Elisha, do you remember? He healed the Syrian leper known as Nahum when there was numerous lepers in Israel who were not being healed. Okay, Jesus has gone too far now. He quickly went from being up here to, hearing, to saying something that the people really, really didn't like. And to bring this home for us, it would be like if I stood here in this pulpit and said, you know what, I'm gonna care more for the people outside of Boiling Springs than I, would, than I will for the people inside of Boiling Springs. My gut reaction to that is that's probably not gonna go over too well. And I'm glad that Boiling Springs would not have any high cliffs uh, if I were to proclaim that, because I might be thrown off of one. But what angered the people was the apparent compliment that Jesus paid to the Gentiles. This infuriated them. Jews were so sure that they were God's people. They utterly despised all others. Here is this young Jesus whom they all knew preaching as if the Gentiles were especially favored by God. 
And to this Jewish audience and these Jewish ears, that message was not welcomed. And they let Jesus know that full well as they marched him to the brow of the hill. The people in Jesus' hometown had a case of mistaken identity. They were mad because Jesus wouldn't be who they wanted him to be. Jesus was trying to help them. He was trying to help them to not only be concerned about themselves, but the problem is they didn't want to share him with the world. They wanted Jesus all for themselves. Jesus has come for us. He's going to heal us, and he's going to speak these prophetic words to us, and Nazareth will be raised up, if you will. They were praising him for what he could do for them and not what he could do for the world. The crisis here for the people is that they were furious with the implication that despised Gentiles received the benefits denied to them. The good news this morning, church, is that Jesus has come for all people. Luke, among all of the gospel writers, does the best job. He starts off at the beginning of his gospel reminding us that the, good, that the lowly shepherd came to Jesus's stable, came to Jesus's bedside and when he was born. He, he reminds us, he elevates the tax collector, he elevates the least of these and the lowly, uh, the Samaritan, uh, the story, the parable of the good Samaritan we find in Luke. And Luke does this throughout his gospel, elevates those who are lowly. Jesus is taking the message that he just spoke to them in the synagogue and is turning it in a different way as Jesus often did. But you remember his message, I have come to bring good news to the poor. I've sent, um, I, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. And turning it back on his hometown crowd, he's moving them beyond prescribed roles and expectations of what this Messiah and what this Jesus has, come, has came for. Jesus is far more radical in his love for the least of these than we ever dare imagine. Jesus seeks to identify with the outsider. And church, I propose to you this morning, if we desire to be Jesus' people, not only must we establish our identity in him, we must not also be mistaken. And we, must need to, we need to remind ourselves that the good news of Jesus is truly for all people. Not just those who look like, sound like, dress like, and worship like us, but this good news is good news for all people in all places and in all times. Let us not be mistaken. Jesus is far more than the image that you and I have created for him, as the people in Nazareth were finding out, but all too painfully. Oh, in, in, they were finding out in the midst of, of, of hearing this message. I'll close with what I said last week as we began talking about identity. If we as Christ followers seek to be more like Christ, if we seek to be Jesus' followers, then let us also establish our identity in him. Let the things that shape the identity of our Lord and Savior be the things that are shaping my identity and your identity, and our identity as a church. With each week, with each month, with each year of our life that passes, are we more closely taking on the identity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? In many ways, it will look like we've always known it to look, but in other ways, it will lead us 
at times down dangerous paths. It will lead us to speak words of boldness. It will lead us to care for the least of these. It will lead us to places we wouldn't otherwise want to go. How are you and I doing in placing our identity in Christ and allowing him to transform our identity so that we may look more like him each day? Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for each one present among us. I thank you for all these young uh, boys and and, uh, Boy Scouts and their parents and leaders and for each one, again, present in the room today. Lord, thank you for the text this morning. It's often uncomfortable, Father, to hear sometimes uh, that uh, we, uh, we know that the call of God can put us in many different environments. Jesus said some pretty bold words there to the people there in his hometown, reminding them that he did not only just come for them, but he came for all outside of Nazareth. And dear God, help us to remember that not only have you come for us here in Boiling Springs, but you've come for all of those within our region, within our state, our nation, and within our world. And so Father, help us to clearly, more clearly put our identity in you and allow you to shape our identity that we may look more like you. We love you, Lord. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to know that he loves you and he wants to walk with you. He wants to guide you. He wants to fill your life with hope and purpose and meaning. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, the invitation is open. I would love to pray and talk with you about how you can do that. If you're here today and desire membership at Bowling Springs Baptist Church, I invite you to come and talk with me. We're going to stand and sing a hymn together, a praise chorus, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. Let's stand and sing.
want to encourage you today to speak to someone that you haven't spoken to before you leave this place today. And I also want to encourage you as you leave this place today to make your way right over there to the LEC. We're having a Feed the Flock lunch. All are invited. There's plenty of food. If you came today and you know you need to go out to eat somewhere, just stay here and eat with us. We'd love, we'd be honored to have you do that. Uh, you don't have to be a member. Uh, if you're a first time guest, that's fine. We'd love to get to know you and we've got a great meal prepared and the funds go to benefit our youth. And so we encourage you to stay and uh, join us for that lunch. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we love you and we thank you that you came for all people. Father, help us to be mindful of that as we go about our daily lives, as in, whether it's in the classroom or whether it's at our place of employment, and help us to see others the way that you see them. And Father, that uh, is a love that you have, again, for all people. Lord, we love you. Help us to identify with you so that we may uh, be the presence of Christ to others as we go about our daily lives. Thank you for all those here today. Bless these scouts and their leaders again. Uh, may they truly felt welcome this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.